Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven podcast. On this episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 4 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is Work, or if you are in Germany, the title is Talents. Our IMDb user synopsis is... Robbie presents Lucy to his friend, Hugh, feeling she should date again, but gets jealous enough to separate them with lies. Matt stands up against the free clinic staff and gets Hank to overrule Dr. Kent's routine diagnose and operate. Simon resigns, feeling incompetent as a waiter at Pete's, but gets promoted of account of his business planning skills. Cued by Billy Viz... George, Wilson, and Mary, who is failing in firefighter training, realize it's time they decide whether to commit to becoming a family. After endless mean Eric abuse, Annie decides to drop her college course and accept a teaching post at Ruthie's private school. I'm sorry, Um, George, Wilson, and Mary? Excuse me, I'm sorry that that um, was... It's confusing to read, so I'm sorry if that was unclear, but it was just as unclear to me. As it was to you. That's um, why we like these user summaries so much, just because they're so they're written so uniquely. Yes, um, in a very unique perspective. Maybe one day the person that re- wrote this will, you know, listen to this and come, then be come and guest star on our podcast. I think he, they're a celebrity in our world. Yeah. Um, so, what was your first impression of this episode? Another not so good episode. Um, so I guess we're in another downturn. Um, I. Yeah, I mean another like the we another episode with a theme about work and what you're going to be doing for the rest of your lives. Um, I thought most of this episode was predictable, other than like Annie's career shift. Uh, everything else like was building up to where it was. Uh, Mary and Wilson's storyline. Um, you we predicted predicted Matt's storyline right at the outset. Same with mm-hmm. Robbie and Lucy. I was very unhappy with what... I'm really unhappy with what they're doing with Robbie <laughs> and Lucy, actually. Don't worry. Uh, and I know that it's going to be short-lived, but I'm still really unhappy about it. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't... I don't know. Very subpar episode for me. Didn't... You know, again, I feel like an episode where I keep on... Anytime it fades to black, I'm hoping it's over is not a good episode. Yeah. Anyway, so let's start with the cold open, as we always do. <laughs> Um, I don't, oh, Annie is still being ridiculous. Yeah. The Rev comes home with flowers and a heart-shaped box of chocolate for her, and I don't even know, it's a, it's October, I don't even know where he got this heart-shaped box of chocolate. That's what I was, um, thinking about. Uh. It's their first date night in a while, which we know means that they haven't had sex in a while, because Annie is um, going through her hormonal changes, her big life change, as she likes to call it. And this usually, this for her translates into not wanting to be as intimate with the Rev as she usually is. Which I think is a real thing. Yeah. Um, and the, so the Rev has planned a date night, but Annie is like, I don't want to do this anymore. So she puts the flowers in the sink and takes the chocolates and runs to her room. Um, and then she charges the Rev with making... I can't tell. I don't remember if this is... That, no, that was it. Okay. But we're going to finish up their storyline Oh, first. yeah, we're anyway, going right so into we'll it. So go. when we come back from the opening credits, um, the Rev is like, I don't know what happened. What Like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, you need to make dinner because I think we're supposed to gather. She's just going to eat the chocolates for mm-hmm. dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So everybody is like, all the Camden kids, well, Ruthie in particular, it says to the Rev, like, what did you do? Why is mom so angry? She's angry and nobody else did anything. Must be your fault. Well, she leaves out Mary in this list. She goes, it wasn't me. It wasn't Simon. It wasn't Lucy. Well, Mary's not in the house. So, you know, I guess that's true. Um, I think, so, like, because the date night isn't working, the Rev decides that he'll cook dinner and he'll, like, order dinner for the kids so that they can still have a romantic night in. And Annie's like, no romance, which obviously translates into sex, but they can't say sex, even though they're a married couple um, and adults. Um, Like, really adulty. More adult than we are. <laughs> um, Very adult, like adults with children. Yeah. They should be able to use talk the, about this. Use the word sex. Use the sex word. Yeah. Um, and, but the rep is like, no, look, you haven't talked to me in a really long time. I just want to talk to you. But when it's, when dinner's about to be ready, Annie's like, oh, I'm going out. And yeah. I was like, what? Like, I'm not hungry. I don't want to be here. I have things to do. Bye. And again, the rev is kind of at a loss. We have a lot of him being really frustrated and really, like, left out in the dark. Uh, Annie ends up running into Serena. Who, we learn that things are going great with uh, James Carver, as well as these two other guys she's dating, John and... and Oh, I thought it was John and someone else. I don't know. Sam? Um, John Sam? John and Sam? Yeah, Yeah. that sounds good. Yeah. Um, And she's happy with work. She's happy with... She has a good relationship with her daughter now. And basically... Serena uh, gives this, like, one piece of advice to Annie, like, do what makes you happy. Which is great advice. Do what makes you happy, except for the fact that life makes us do things we don't want to do. We actually, I think the one thing that, uh, I feel like the one piece of credit I could say for this episode is at least I was talking about like the other things we could do like to make us happy in our career. We talked about changing our career paths. Uh, But like, I think if a television show can get you talking about something else outside of what is happening, it has, <laughs> it's doing something right. It must right. be. It's like, how unhappy are you, you in your life? That's <laughs> what we ended up talking about. Um, uh, so Annie um, has decided that she's she comes home, she tells the Rev she's not going to be um, in school anymore. Um, which we, I was upset about at first because... Um, That's something I wish she would pursue, but I get... Right. It was like the first thing she did for herself on the show. So it was like, I thought that was a really great moment. Um, The whole, like, she she kind of was like empowering herself, which I thought was important because Annie had previously just been like mom and wife. So and we saw how detrimental that image was to her children in that muffin baking episode, <laughs> which we are reminded of in this episode. Um, we'll quickly just do a little side bit about Ruthie's like very quick storyline in here. Um, Ruthie has to write an essay about what she wants to be when she grows up, but because she's too talented, <laughs> she can't narrow it down. And she decides, and this is in a conversation with Annie, that she wants to be mom because mom does a lot of things. She's a plumber. She's a a bank human. She is a mom. She's a wife. She's a cook. She's a I just lost student. my eyes in the back of my yeah. head. And so Ruthie's like, I want to be all those things too. I, I want to use all of my talents all at once. And the best way to do that is to be mom. Um, Annie then says, would you mind if I was at your school a few days a week? And Ruthie's like, no, I like it. You can hang out with my friends. My Even friends though- love you. And Ruthie has no friends. Yeah, remember Ruthie has no friends. This is when she finally breaks the news to the Rev um, and says that she has been offered a job 
at the private school that Ruthie goes to as what we believe is a home ec teacher. Yeah, she never really elaborates, but I imagine home ec teacher because she kind, something like that. she kind of talks about how she'd get to use all of her skills there. Um, and how she initially said no to the job because she couldn't have t- she didn't have time for it, but realized that it was making her unhappy, which is why she was having such an attitude with everyone. Right. But now she's decided to quit school and said, follow this career path. This new dream. So go, Annie. I mean, she was in school for education, so. Yeah. This is the right, this is the same kind of. Trajectory, yeah. yeah. This isn't like ours where we're like, uh, I should do a marine biology instead of Excuse what me. we're doing right now. I know you're not doing marine biology. I purposely said something completely different. All right. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know. Out, out me? Yes, I didn't want to out you. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'll change it. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, uh, she basically says the reason she chose this is because she loves having children around, and she feels like her children don't need her anymore, so it'll be nice for her to get a new batch of children every year. Yes, which is weird. Yeah, that that doesn't Um, sound sinister whatsoever. So anyway, that's that. Simon... as a storyline, um, you have something to say. I just about wanted to finish, Annie. Yeah, I just wanted to say I hope this means that we're, it's the end of her menopause. I know I'm saying menopause weird. Menopause, <laughs> but um, that storyline because it was grating on me. As I think it was grating, as you can tell from how much we we did not like yeah. it. Uh, well, because they totally took Annie's character and made her. It was totally out of character. Whereas like menopause doesn't. I don't believe, like, hormones can't fundamentally change who you are. Right. They, you know, they, they cause you to behave differently, but not, like, so out of character. You're meant to go back to your baseline. There's a baseline, yeah. yeah. A baseline. And she was just all over the place. Um, so, yes, we'll do Simon next. So, we first see Simon in his room, practicing in the mirror, taking people's orders, and we learn that he has followed in Mary's footsteps and is now working at Pete's Pizza. I'm confused as to why Pete was okay with hiring another Camden after the first well Simon's a little more responsible I think and there's only like five places in Glen Oak so (laughs) he needed to work somewhere work at Margaret's books um and we learned that he's having some trouble he's struggling at work um so this is why he's practicing his people skills because he says to the Rev that he's good with numbers and things but not so great with people so we see this in action when he is late to work because of his bus scenario, but then also while he is trying to take orders. Um, so the salads aren't arriving on time, the sodas aren't being delivered, and instead of like getting money from the customers, he keeps on giving them ideas about how to save money. Like instead of ordering two pizzas with a mushroom and like two medium pizzas with mushroom and cheese, get a large, split yeah. down the middle or something. Um, anyway, he's so really anyway, bad at his job. Yeah. He, Pete asks to talk to him, and Simon is like, I know you're going to fire me, just, like, save me the embarrassment and let me quit. Um, and they're like, okay, you need you need to finish your shift today or whatever, mm-hmm. because we'd be shorthanded without you. Um, and towards the end of the day, when Simon is ready to go home, he Pete is looking over a piece of paper, and he's like, oh, did you do this? And Simon is like, yes, I worked out a way to streamline your... Um, I want to say supply, yeah, Yeah. suppliers, like, here's a way you can save money by streamlining your suppliers for, I guess, like, restaurant things, yeah, Yeah. 30 numbers and things, Um, and Pete is like, wow, you did this on your free time, and he's like, yeah, I'm good with numbers, I just like numbers, so Pete is like, 
here, you can have another job, you can be like my accountant or whatever. And you would think that a restaurant owner would already have somebody who was looking kind of looking numbers. over looking over the books. But anyway, so Simon ends up keeping a job, you know. Getting back, a promotion. Harkening back to the Bank of Simon um, storylines. So, yay, Simon. I'm glad that this is following a good, like, Simon's character is following a good tra- trajectory. Like, everything that we know from his childhood is kind of following him here, which is nice. Because we don't see that with Mary at all. And, yeah. And, I mean, what's Lucy even doing with her life? But um, anyway, speaking of employment, we catch up with Matt yeah. at the free clinic where he, he walks in and, okay, wait, so at the free clinic there's like a new nurse or supervisor or whatever who was played by Jane Lynch, who you may recognize probably most notably from Glee. As Sue. As Sue, and she was also in a very obscure movie, Smiley Face, with Anna Faris, which is an incredible film. She's um, also the host of Celebrity. Yeah, I was going to say she's on some game show squares. now, right? Hollywood celebrity uh, yeah, square, yeah, whatever. Um, she's she's from a like she's had a lot of bit parts. She yeah. was also in the Forty Year Old Virgin. Um, like she's kind of yeah. So that, that's everybody kind of, knows Jane Lynch. That's kind of what this role is now. Just like a little bit part. Um, she provides some background, open mouth <laughs> reactions. Yeah. Um, so Matt walks in. He's greeted by a patient who's in the waiting room, and he's like, "Oh." We have to stop meeting like this, but we've never seen this woman before. At first, I was like, wait, are we supposed to know who this is? Nope, we've never seen her before. I don't remember her name, but this, um... Isn't it like Gina? Yeah, actually, you're right. It is Gina. I was going to say it was Kelly or something. Uh, She, um... Maybe it's Gina Kelly. So she... Keller. Gina Keller. (laughs) You got there. So she has stomach pains, and apparently these are pains that have been happening a lot. Remember, this is the women's clinic, so she's pregnant. And has stomach pains. And the doctor, Dr. Kent, has not been really paying attention to He's her. He's just been telling her that it's heartburn. And she has kind of an intuition that it's something else as well. She's been having a lot of pain in her stomach. So... Matt, get, basically, like, there's a couple of scenes where Dr. Kent's like, there's nothing wrong with her. And her, like, clearly being in a lot of pain. So Matt recruits his uncle? Yeah, his yeah, uncle. Uncle Hank. Uncle Hank. Uh, so we, yeah, that's the first reappearance of an ep- of this episode of a character, a, char- a beloved character, one might say. Doctor Hank comes to the rescue, finds out that it's actually I can't say this word. So ectopic. It's yes. an ectopic pregnancy, um, and we learn that. Well, so the Doctor Kent comes over to Matt while Hank is there, and he says, "You can't do that. You went over my head. Um, you're, you're fired." And Hank is like. Absolutely not. You're fired because we learned that Hank is on the board of directors uh, of the free clinic. And Hank is like, no, this is like malpractice. You didn't do your job. And I don't think the rest of the directors will argue with me for firing you. So we're reminded of the Hippocratic Oath. Yes. Um, And that's that. That's that. So this guy gets fired. Matt, uh, Dr. Hank stays on as as the, the doctor for the rest of the night and all is well at the free clinic. Matt uh, has decided that the thing that he wants, the field of medicine he wants to go into, remember this is a thing that has been like vaguely talked about from time to well, time. Well, I mean, that's like why he worked at the hospital and why he's yeah. working at the free clinic. He's he's, uh, he's still in college. It's his final year of college, but um, he's, trying to figure he's out. working towards, you know, going to medical school. So 
he decides that he, that he would like to be a gynecologist. And clearly, instead of seeing this as like, a, oh, because he's working at the free clinic and seeing all this, his parents think it's because he likes women so much. Which is just weird. Yeah, uh. especially because we haven't seen Matt with a girl and... Well, he's, oh, wait, he's, Cheryl. he's with a Cheryl. girl. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, yeah. Wait, uh, I actually do like Matt and Cheryl's relationship, so it's fine. Why? I don't like it at all. Anyway, this is a kind There's nothing I know. about yeah, this there's... in this episode. So We'll go to um, Lucy and Robbie, who are spending way too much time together. Um, so, as the, the Rev comments on in this episode, they are going to a movie together. Um, we agree with this. We think they're spending too much time together. And basically, Robbie is introducing um, Lucy to one of his friends to help Lucy get over Jeremy. Um, they're trying to equate like Lucy's relationship with Jeremy with Robbie's relationship with Mary. And I think that's like stupid because they're no they're not similar at all robbie and mary had like a thing going on or something going on for like at least a year more maybe more than that whereas like jeremy and lucy were only together what seemed like a few months maybe yeah and he was away for some of it yeah. he like yeah. moved to new york and then he came back so um they're meant to be like you know good friends helping each other get over their lost loves and Robbie does this by inviting Hugh out to go see a movie. Um, Hugh is played by Mike Irwin, who has been on other WB shows like One Tree Hill um, and Everwood. Everwood, and he was in a movie with the Olsen twins. So little time. You know, the Olsen twins were also graduates of 7th Heaven <laughs> Academy. And uh, he also voiced Speedy in Teen Titans and uh, the Justice League, the cartoons, obviously. Um, so Mike Irwin... Not Mike Irwin. Hugh gets along really well with Lucy, and we have the stupid television trope and movie trope that I hate, which is uh, you don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Uh, Robbie realizes because he's, he's like they're like a thruple. Like yeah. he's he's the third wheel, obviously, on this date, and it's weird that he was like, well, he's like, I'm not over Mary yet. I can't date anyone, but he spends the whole night, of course, looking on longingly at um, Hugh and Lucy you know, get closer, and he's just jealous, and like, oh, I could, Lucy, it could have been mine, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, we have the return of my favorite character in this entire series, the way, the bartender. What's the, his name? The, I don't know, the, the, he's just the bartender at the pool hall, though. He's always there. He's the most consistent character. And, um, he's... Him and Sergeant Michaels. Exactly. Uh, so at the end of the, like, Robbie works some, like, manipulative magic in that he tells Hugh that Lucy doesn't want him there, and then when he leaves, he tells Lucy that Hugh didn't like her. Um, at the end of the date, Robbie goes on this kind of, like, monologue. I love you. I've always loved you. Basically. I should have known, like, we belong together. Yeah, he's like, I was sitting there wanting to be the person that you were dating. I think I'm over Mary. I think I'm into you. And then when he leans in to kiss her, she, like, backs away and gets out of there and then gives him, like, the possibly the best side eye I've seen from Lucy um, in this series so far. Yeah, it was good, though. It was appropriate yeah. because you could tell she, I don't know, she really did have this, like, naive, like, oh, we're just comforting each other through our breakups kind of idea. And yeah, like, the, we're a brother and sister and we're it, good friends. It's nice. In, in light of Lucy having been the worst in the past few episodes, it's nice to see her not be the worst in this and actually, like, basically not being, like, a fuckboy and just like, aha, one day I'll have you, Robbie. Yeah. 
Um, um, so, but apparently they're going to try to do something, so blah. get ready for me hating this. Uh, but so far, so good. And uh, finally, I guess we'll talk about Mary, Marion Wilson specifically, and the return of George. Ah, uh, George, but not Dina. Not Dina. <laughs> we say this because the actors that play George and Dina are brother and sister in real life. Yeah. Um, so... Mary, we our first glimpse of Mary is at the firefighter training thing. Um, she's the only woman. She's surrounded by men, and it's very clear that she's not up to par. Um, well, they he, he yeah. the, the training supervisor actually tells her this, mm-hmm. um, and we learn that if Mary um, doesn't like. They have, like, a physical evaluation coming up, and if Mary doesn't perform at, like, the standards, um, I don't know, just the general standards, she will be cut from the academy. It's kind of like her last chance. Um, so she has a bunch of hearts to heart, heart to hearts with George in which, like, George basically, she had a bunch of, remember in the last episode we said that, um... She was going to try to do it all. She's going to be there for Wilson, be there for Billy, and be a firefighter. But it seems like all her work towards firefighting is taking away from her time for Wilson and well, Billy. Wilson, we see a phone call from Wilson, and he's complaining. Or No, George delivers a message yeah. from Wilson, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, Wilson called. He wants to know why you didn't pick up his dry cleaning and, like, why you didn't cook dinner for him and Billy. Why and you like, pay the bills. Yeah, why didn't you pay? And I was like, Wilson is a grown-ass man, and he can't do any of this stuff himself. Um, so we learned, like, in kind of a weird, um, it kind of switches from last episode yeah. where Wilson is relying too heavily on Mary now when he tried to kind of push her away in the yeah. last episode. Uh, we have a weird, bizarre scene where... Actually, everybody but the sergeant... Is he a sergeant? Um, he's like, she calls him the training supervisor, the supervisor. so I don't know. Yeah. Um, is in the right. So the training supervisor calls Mary, which is this is the scene where he tells her that this is basically her last chance. And then she has call waiting, so Wilson's calling her. But instead of ignoring the call... She picks it up, and she tells Wilson to hold on. Well, she tells Wilson, I'll call you back. I'm on the phone with my supervisor. Hangs up, goes back, then tells the supervisor that she was on the phone with her boyfriend. Shouldn't have done that. Then the phone rings again. Why is Wilson calling back? Uh, she goes back to pick it up. Shouldn't have picked up. Right. Like, it goes all things over that, again. Things that people with functioning brains would not, not do. do. Exactly. Like, uh, and then telling the supervisor, like, oh, sorry, it's my boyfriend. And he's, yeah. while he's telling her, you seem distracted. Yeah. <laughs> not totally committed to the fire academy. Later on, Mary's conversation with Wilson, where Wilson's like, you never call me back. And Wilson's like, yeah, Wilson, Mary just hangs up on him. This is when Billy does a Billy thing. You know, the thing where the kid comes out with the relevation because the adult is too stupid to figure it out himself. And he's like, you keep treating Mary like uh, wife, mother, whatever. And she's not. And first of all, that sends the wrong message, too, because he just expects Mary to do everything for him. And that's not how you should treat wife, mother, anyone. And it just because you, it, even if you marry her or put a ring on it, or like, she still shouldn't have to do everything, everything. for your yeah. in your life. Um, and this all ends with it looks like Mary's putting in some overtime trying to get the training right, um, and Wilson comes with his cleavage, um, <laughs> and he's like, "Look, dun, dun, dun. I've been asking too much of you. I shouldn't be always t- telling you to do all these things. I'm sorry about this." 
what I'll do is I will help you pass the skills test. We'll go running every morning. I'll be, you know, your trainer. I'll work out with I you. I will support you, basically. And he's like, I shouldn't be asking you to do the things that a wife or mother would do. Uh, no, he says, I want to help you get what you want because I hope that sometime soon you can give me what I want. And, and he's like, I want you to be a wife and a mother. And then he gets on one knee and he proposes. Oh, pulls out the ring, will you marry me? And that's when it fades to black. Um, so, we, well, you said that Seventh Heaven finally learned how to do TV yeah. um, this season because, well, and maybe last season too because they bit, did yeah. the two-part season finale well. So, like, what, um, I guess, what are you rating this episode? And maybe elaborate on why. Yeah, so I'm going to say first, the reason that I'm saying that Seventh Heaven's getting better with uh, with um, television, I think, so as a, like, producer or as somebody that's looking into making money, right, for a TV show, what you want is your audience to continue coming back. But if you only tell stories in self-contained ways, people won't need, this is why people like, like, uh, half-hour comedy so much. Because there's no, like... You don't have no continuity. You don't need yeah. to watch every single episode. Or, like, procedural procedurals where you don't need... There's, like... There's not a lot of plot. It's just, like, every episode it go, follows the it's same. It's a formula, yeah. yeah. But I like that Seventh Heaven now is giving us reason to tune in again next week. Or I think they did that a little bit in the fifth season you know, with, like, what's going to happen to Mary? Yeah, definitely in the, fifth epi- in the fifth season you had a lot of, like, unfinished storylines from episode to episode. And we see that this episode, this season, too. So I will commend Seventh Heaven on that. Because we didn't get an answer. We don't know what's going to happen next. I want to watch the next episode now. That's Don't good. worry. <laughs> we have to. It is our duty. Uh, but for this episode, so we, I gave the last one a three. I'm going to say that this one's probably at the same level for me. Yeah, I'm going to give this a three. I am going to give it a three as well because it's just like, you know, exists in this seventh heaven space. Yeah, it's not their best work. It's not their worst work. It's good story. Like, they're using yeah. good storytelling techniques, but the stories they're telling are not particularly interesting. I think because we've seen what Seventh Heaven can offer now, like, how good it can actually be. And by good, I mean, like, am I entertained? And <laughs> I also just think the cutting back and forth with Mary still being in Buffalo, like, makes... That's, like, the most compelling storyline right now, but yeah. it, it just feels very detached exactly. from the rest of the plot. So... It's hard to, um, it would just be easier if she was, like, in Glen Oak and this was all playing out with, with the family's input. Yeah, like right. The, she, you know, she had one phone conversation with Lucy in this episode and the rest of the family interaction was with George. I don't really care about George's take on anything. Right. Uh, and also because George's not a consistent character. Yeah. Um, so you can take a look at this, uh, engagement ring, uh, and, you know, uh, Wilson's cleavage. Um... <laughs> On our Instagram or our Twitter or on Facebook. So that's facebook.com slash CamdenCast or at Show on Instagram and Twitter. And you can listen to us every Wednesday and Saturday um, through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Stitcher, where you can search CamdenCast, or uh, soundcloud.com slash CamdenCast. I'm Tandy. I'm Erin. This is CamdenCast. Right.